At QUT, we believe that teachers do more than build understanding. They build confidence, resilience. They help students to make sense of the real world. So shouldn't we give teachers all the support they need? We think so. If you feel the same way, this podcast is for you. Welcome to QUT Podclass. Every step that you take forward, you're actually changing a child's life. You're taking people with you. This idea of the silent classroom is also a little bit of a myth and could be getting in the way. That they have very little time to just take a breath, sit down and think, what, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my career? It's amazing how many fresh ideas you can have when you can ask your question of the entire world. I've given it all I've got. I am exhausted and I need a break. I think that is part of it. She turned it around because she invested in herself. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Madonna King and this is QUT Podcast. What makes a good leader? How transferable are those skills? And why is this so important for those who lead our classrooms, our teachers? My guest, Dr. Sue Irvine. Sue, welcome. Thank you. Now, your title is a mouthful. Associate (laughs) Professor, School of Early Childhood and Inclusive Education, Course Coordinator, Master of Education at QUT. How do you see yourself? Much easier to say I'm a teacher. A teacher of (laughs) master's students. Yes, yes. You studied early childhood teaching here, but you've taught across the ages as well as being a CEO of a childcare centre. Yes. Worked in state government and indeed worked with teachers across all levels. So what do you think makes a good leader? Goodness, there's a lot of books that have been written about that, but I guess from my perspective and to distill it, it would be, I think, probably about, about care and about influence. I think that good leaders really care about what they're doing and they see ways to make that better. Um, And then it's about being able to influence others to come along for the ride and to, um, to make things better. Has our definition of a leader changed? Because I can't imagine five years ago, we would have necessarily said a good leader is someone who cares. Yes. Yeah. Look, I think it has. I think, you know, traditionally we've um, we've had a very um, hierarchical, um, yeah. perhaps masculine view of, um, of what leadership is. And, and often that's associated with um, leadership positions, having a particular position, a particular title. Um, and more contemporary views are looking at leadership in a much broader way, thinking about, you know, leadership principles and practices in all aspects of teaching. But why bother? with having those attributes of being a leader if you're not going to be a leader or aspire to be one? Well, I would argue that teachers are leaders um, in in whatever area they're working in education. You have a teacher who um, goes into an early childhood setting or into a classroom um, and is leading um, a group of children in learning. So by definition, teachers are leaders. So you've differentiated between the attributes of a leader and the position of a leader but any leader needs those attributes. Yes. Do followers need those attributes? 
Well, I don't always see such a distinction between leaders and followers. A lot of the literature would say that good leaders are also good followers um, and that, that followers can actually become good leaders if they're actually um, able to observe leadership in, in practice. So, Because I was going to ask you or suggest that weren't many leadership opportunities in schools because you can go to the course coordinator and there's deputy principal and the principal, but what you're saying is the better leader you are in the front of the class, us, the better you are at the job and the, and and perhaps the better learning for the students. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I think we need to disassociate that idea that leadership is only um, linked to a designated position because um, when we're looking at um, modern education settings, there's a, you know, it's a very complex and demanding role and there is um, a great deal of... Um, um, promotion around distributed leadership and leadership in, in all areas of um, early childhood settings and schools. So we want to build that leadership capacity across these settings. I'll move on from this in just a moment, but so that I understand, are you saying leadership attributes are the same whether you're the Prime Minister of the country, uh, run a bank or stand in front of a class? Look, I- I think to be daring, I'm going to say yes. I think that the fundamentals of good leadership are very similar. Obviously, the specialist knowledge and the context changes, and because of that, there might be varying um, emphasis put on different traits and, and different um, attributes. But I think, yeah, I think fundamentally it's about care and it's about influence and having the knowledge and skills to be able to exercise those well. Do you need to know that you mightn't be the brightest person in the room? Absolutely. Good leaders know that and good leaders then look for people who can um, value add to their own knowledge and skills. Is it a trait or traits that are born or, or learnt? <laughs> the age-old question. Look, I, I think it's probably a no-brainer that certain genetic traits and certain personal traits um, lend themselves to leadership. And so so it may be easier for some people because of their personal qualities and traits to take on particular leadership roles. Like they're a listener, for example. Yes, right. yes, yes. Or, or that you are able to get up and articulate your vision and you're able to, um, to talk with groups of people and you're able to... Um, um, think strategically and move things forward. So all of these sorts of things are um, uh, based on some genetic abilities, obviously, but I also think it's about environment and experience, and I think more so about environment and experience. Um, and within that context, then it's about your opportunity to build your leadership knowledge and skills through training and through ongoing learning. Sue, so we hear this term accidental leader. Is that a recipe for disaster? No, not necessarily. I mean, it can be, but um, it can also be a really important opportunity. We um, we all rise to the occasion, so or we try to rise to the occasion. So, I think sometimes um, you know, that that's quite common in education, and I think that um, that can be the makings of leaders who perhaps wouldn't have had the confidence to put their hand up, but actually find themselves in a leadership role. I do think, though, it's important that those accidental leaders are supported in what they do. Yes. So the issue can be that we have a person who is 
thrown into a leadership role. Um, and that's fine and they can do a lot to support themselves. But those around them also need to build the support to help them to be successful in that role. Sometimes I wonder if those people might surprise themselves. I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that they do. And, and providing they have time in the, the busy roles of, of leaders to reflect on what they're doing and how things are working, they'll learn from that experience and be able to take that forward. Can you look out into that classroom early on and know who will make a good leader? No, I don't think I, I don't think so because I think that leadership is such a multifaceted um, thing that um, you can't judge on on um, the surface. So, so what do you judge on? Well, I think you, you judge on action and you judge on engagement and I think that the people who really can um, make um, an informed judgment about somebody's leadership capacity are the people who are working with that leader, who see them on a day-to-day -day basis and see them through the highs and, and the lows of, of work. So in the last year of your course, could you point to the best leaders in the class? I would have a fair inkling, yes. And what would stand out about them? Um... For me, I think it would be that they were reflective and critical thinkers, and I would have seen that in our, our engagements, whether they're online students or whether they're um, on-campus students. Um, and certainly I would have had a sense of that in the, the written work that they had submitted. Um, they would have worked really hard to, to build their knowledge and, um, and they would have um, stretched themselves, perhaps taken some risks. Um, and I think... For me, it's really, again, it's about this care. It's about being passionate about making a difference in the area that you're working. And so I would, I would have a sense of that. Is there an age where you can be a good leader? No, I think children can be good leaders. And I think that our classroom teachers um, have um, a role in, um, in building leadership um, in, in our, our youngest How? citizens as well. Well, by modelling it to start with, by, um, by showing caring and ethical leadership in their work with children and with families. Is there a differentiation between early career teachers and very experienced teachers in their ability to lead? No, it's not an age thing. I, I think it's really more about um, having um, a vision, having a desire to make a difference in a particular area and being able to to think about that from a broader or longer term perspective yes. and, and strategically then being able to take other people towards that vision. So that could be your class or your group of children in the early childhood context. Um, it could be working with families in those contexts or it could be working with colleagues. For a teacher listening, how might they improve their leadership skills in the classroom? Well, I think firstly, they need to um, recognise those skills and recognise that, that in fact that's what they're doing because I don't think that, that teachers working in early childhood services and schools necessarily think of themselves in this way. So recognising that to begin and then thinking about how that plays out in their day-to-day -day work. You know, it's interesting because if you go back, I think it's to the Greek definition of pedagogy, it's actually about leading the child in their learning. 
Now, that was a very formal context. And the idea was you had, you know, 100 children in front of you and you led everyone at the same time through the same lesson. But if we think about good pedagogy now, it mirrors good leadership. We're working with individuals. We're identifying strengths of children and interests of children. And we're working together to get the best out of um, out of our time together and out of children's learning. Are we putting enough effort in schools into providing teachers with the toolbox to improve their leadership? I think, yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. My sense is that we are doing well in that area, again, linking to positional leadership roles. So my sense from my own experience in designing and delivering professional um, development opportunities around leadership for um, for educators and teachers, is that we're looking at existing leaders and aspiring leaders, and it links to those leadership roles. So a tick there, but I don't think we're perhaps doing that well enough, um, thinking about leadership in that broad capacity as a really desirable um, skill. Is self-belief part of leadership? Oh, I think so. I think, And a lot of teachers may not have the requisite self-belief? I think so. And, and again, I think it depends on what your image of leadership is. is you know, is your only image of leadership a male principle? Um, and, and is that the measure for you? Yes. Um, or do you see leadership in, in other ways? Do you see the opportunity to, you know, lead um, a new way of, um, you know, working out playground duty? Or do you do you see a you know leadership in a, in a new way of engaging with parents in the early childhood service because you really think that's important? That's they're really good examples. What are some other concrete examples of of what a teacher might do that would show their leadership capability? Well, I think that there's two ways that that can happen. Um, I think. It, obviously, it can happen from a self-initiated perspective. So seeing something that you think could be done better and instead of being one of those people who sits on the side saying, oh, someone should do something about that, being, what is it, being the change you want yeah, to yeah. see. <laughs> so, so really trying to, um, to, to think of a way that you could step up and make a difference in that particular context. And putting your hand up to, to make that change. Putting your hand up. Yeah. And, and obviously for that to work in an organisation, you need to negotiate that. There are very few opportunities where you can just step up and, and do and, and everything flows smoothly and there's a beautiful rainbow at the end. So, you know, seeing that that opportunity, negotiating that with others in, in your um, work context, particularly with designated leaders in your work context, um, and thinking about ways that you might approach that. An effective leader, though, doesn't just do that by themselves because at the end of the day, then they have just made a change yeah. which suits them. They've got no idea whether it's going to suit everybody else. So effective leaders then bring on board others, consult with others, listen carefully to the views and expertise of others and then negotiate um, an improved solution. All of those things require a person to be good at communication. Absolutely. Our teachers, as you say, are natural leaders and communicate to their class. Are they good at communicating beyond that? Look, I think they are. I think that teachers... Um, spend a lot of time in, in their um, pre-service education um, building 
the interpersonal and communication skills to work with a wide, you know, diverse group of people. And that's, you know, diversity in terms of the children that they're working with, the families. We know how important it is that teachers engage with families in whatever education setting they're in. Um, and the fact that teachers work in teams. So, you know, pre-service courses now spend a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, leadership and effective teamwork. So I think they come out well equipped for that. And I think that they have opportunity to strengthen that knowledge and skills within their work setting. So I think they do have that, but perhaps it comes back to what you suggested before about self-belief. Is making a mistake or making mistakes part of the journey to good leadership? Absolutely. What mistake have you made that helped? Oh, (laughs) I've made a number of mistakes. I I think probably it's not a mistake, but it's a learning, I guess, from what could have been a mistake in that um, when I first went into a positional leadership role, I... um, I had been a a classroom teacher and I'd worked predominantly in preschools and the early years of schools within um, state education systems. And um, my husband and I moved to Victoria and I ended up um, applying for the role of a centre director of a parent-managed childcare service. And I got that particular role. And I walked in and I didn't get the very warm reception from the staff that I was expecting. Um, I had one particular staff member who had her hands on her hips and basically said, so who are you and what do you know about leading an early childhood centre? Did they have a point? Well, they did. They actually had a point because I didn't know an awful lot about that. I had good intent and I had some very early knowledge, but I really didn't have a lot of context and probably didn't have a lot of leadership knowledge at that stage. But you were caring. You I could was in, caring. You could influence people. So I, didn't that mean, by your own definition, you would have made a good leader? Yeah, well, I cared about what I was doing. I was really motivated to be there. I wasn't accidentally there. I'd applied for the job and I really wanted to be there. Um, interestingly, when, when I got there, it was one of those um, you know, it was a sink or swim sorts of analogies because about a week after I started in that job, I discovered that we were very close to being bankrupt and um, needed to negotiate some funding from the the government at the time. So um, it was a sink or swim analogy and fortunately I was able to paddle back up to the surface. And And was another part of that you being able to influence those you were leading um, of your authenticity, of your credibility, of your authority. Yeah, look, look I'd like to think so. I, I think I, I took my my teacher um, knowledge and skills and qualities in there. I tried really hard to get to know individual staff, to build relationships with them, to really consult and listen to them. And I think that that held me in good stead. And, and certainly there were some tough times and I learned on the fly but um, the centre's still operating, so I'd like to think that I, <laughs> I had a hand in that. <laughs> um, did, do men or women make better leaders naturally? Look, there is literature on that and, um, and some, some literature to, to suggest that there are different differences um, in styles and approaches based on gender. Um, so give me the headline, who's the better leader? <laughs> Well, there is a sense that in terms of contemporary leadership theory that females can um, can sometimes be um, better equipped in terms of caring, um, in terms of building warm and reciprocal relationships, in terms of trying to break down that hierarchical structure to, to have more collaborative leadership. But they don't put their hand up as much, do they? 
No. How do we fix that? Well, I, I think that we need to be um, trying to help everybody see their leadership potential and um, and to see that um, it's not about, you know, Gandhi said, it's not about muscle. So again, it's that image. You know, what is your image of leadership? It's not about muscle and authority. It's really about being able to build relationships and influence people. And, and women are good at that often. Not always, though. And so I, I don't like to draw that very yeah. um, definitive line there. You talk about versions of leadership. What are they? Well, different approaches. So I guess, you know, a lot has been written about um, leadership and different approaches. So, you know, from your hierarchical authoritative sort of model where the boss is the boss and I'll tell you what you need to be doing and um, you don't need to ask me why. It's just because I'm asking you to do that. But isn't that by your definition a fail version of leadership because it shows a lack of care and it's unlikely yes. to influence people? Yes. And, and that's the reality. The reality is that you will you will build up a sense of um, unhappiness there um, probably some um, you know, apathy in terms of work and you'll always you'll be pushing the elephant up the hill always because yeah. people will, will not be going with you. So, um, yes, more contemporary views are around you know, democratic approaches to leadership, collaborative approaches to leadership, participative approaches. Um, What's the best approach? Well, I think there are aspects of all of those. You know, the, the researchers and theorists will draw lines around some of those things. But I think, you know, if you're looking at it from a practical perspective, if you're thinking about, you know, caring for people and, and you know, looking after their well-being, because if you don't have staff who are well and engaged, then you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. What kind of leader are you? I'd like to think that I'm a democratic and collaborative leader. I certainly work hard to embody that in everything that I do, whether it's working with students at QUT. Um, I do a lot of work in policy. So when I'm working in policy and thinking about policy solutions, negotiating with those that the policy might affect. Who is a good leader in your life? Oh. I've been really fortunate. I've had a number of good leaders, but probably one that comes to mind was um, a gentleman who um, was my director in the Department of Education when I was working in a policy context. Um, and he just was very generous in terms of um, sharing his leadership knowledge and skills. I was in a, a middle management, middle, middle leadership, middle management perspective, still fairly green in that area. Um, and I just watched him with awe and um, learned a great deal in terms of that. Um, and one of the things I really liked was that he was really collaborative, really engaged us in making important decisions, which really added to my um, enjoyment of work. But he also was very um, quick to give credit. So whenever I did something or if I had um, put something into a particular policy context, he would make sure that others knew that. And, and leaders don't always do that. Some leaders hold on to everybody's ideas and present them as their own. Our topic today is stepping into leadership, but you're saying that doesn't necessarily meaning stepping up to leadership. No, and I think that's a really, really important thing because um, you know, working in an early childhood centre or a classroom with children is just a really important role. And I hate to think that teachers in that context think that to um, gain a leadership role, they have to step out of that. We want really skilled leaders in those positions working with children and families and, and being there. 
So we've talked about leadership for our teachers, but what about our students? How, how do you rate leadership as a future life skill? I think it's probably one of the top of the lists in actual fact because um, you know, if we're looking ahead and we're thinking about the um, the world of work and we're thinking about society, we want everyone to be able to step up and to exercise leadership as needed, whether it's in their personal relationships and in life, um, whether it's within the community or whether it's within the world of work. Does the system allow us to value that as much when we get a report card that says maths, English, but there's no there's no judgment of our, our children's ability to, to be a leader? They might be a terrific leader. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point, and it's something that we should think about. I, I don't want to see leadership being a subject that is assessed in the same way, though. Yes. I think I'd I'd rather see it more as a um, a disposition yes. that we're wanting to nurture. And interestingly, you know, you actually see that in, in our, our very um, um, earliest curriculum, the early years learning framework. We're looking at building um, children's dispositions around social interactions, around um, creative and critical thinking, around you know, collaboration and, and problem solving. They're all leadership skills. So we're actually wanting to nurture those from the very earliest age through to um, our um, high school leavers and then onwards in terms of university. How young can a child be before you can teach them those skills? Can you do it in prep and, and early primary school? Well, I'd actually say that children exhibit leadership without being taught. If you look at children playing, very young children, you'll see children who um, observe a friend fall over and who who go over to support that friend and assist that friend. You see children who perceive injustice and who will actually go and do something to address injustice. So I think it's about nurturing that and um, building understanding of ethical leadership. Is there an irony there, though, because we really value our children graduating with good uh, leadership skills, but we put all the focus on picking the high school for our students, not so much the school that where they begin to learn those traits. Yes, I think that is an irony, and I think that we need to think about leadership as a life skill that's important for individuals but also important for the nation and think about how that transpires at every phase of education and in an ongoing sense. Dr Sue Irvine, thank you. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about this topic, be sure to check the show notes where you'll find links that can take you through to rich sources of information and inspiration. Podclass is brought to you by the QUT Faculty of Education. If you'd like to keep learning, QUT offers a range of professional development and postgraduate study options. QUT, because the more you learn, the more they learn.